Good morning, Zion and Talofa. Thank you for uh, being here this morning uh, for our worship service on July the 12th. It'll be a bit abbreviated as uh, compared to services uh, that we've done most recently. Uh, Jeanette and Doug are vacationing in Colorado, so uh, we we didn't uh, we weren't able to get the hymns recorded uh, this week. So so get your guitar out or whatever you have there in the living room, and, and uh, you'll have to kind of do the work yourself this week with respect to the music. Um, but let's just prepare ourselves now, as we always do. Allow God to gaze upon you, settle into your seats, uh, feel your feet on the ground, feel your hands, follow your breath in, follow your breath out. Let God gaze upon you as we prepare for worship. Amen. Please join me in our call to worship. We bring our hopes and fears, our struggles and our lives as they are, into the presence of the one who leaves the doors and futures open to gracious possibilities. God's word lights the path before us. May this time of worship empower us to make faithful choices. God's word lights the paths before us. May this time of worship renew and restore our relationships with God and each other. God's word lights the paths before us. Come, let us worship. Let's pray together. Abundant, Abundant God, God, use our senses to open, to open our, our hearts and minds to the richness of scriptures. scriptures. Help, Help us to receive the gifts you sow so graciously and freely in our lives and inspire us to share such bounty generously with our neighbors. Amen. So if you're following along um, on the bulletin that Jill put on the Internet for us on our, on our website, now is the time for the first hymn, hymn number 503. If you are fortunate enough to have someone in the family who can accompany you musically, uh, then now is the time to pause and sing together. Let's confess our sins together, trusting in God's grace. For hatreds between peoples, for violence among nations, for breakdowns of civility, we pray. Why does it have to be this way, O oh God? What choices of ours could bring change? For estrangement within families, 
for tensions among neighbors, we pray. Why does it have to be this way, O God? What choices of ours could bring change? For divisions in the Christian church, for conflict within our community, we pray. Why does it have to be this way, O God? What choices of ours could bring change? For our inner struggles with an inflated ego or deflated self-worth, we pray. Why does it have to be this way, O God? What choices of ours could bring change? Hear the promise of God. Through all these times, amidst all these conditions, God offers the Spirit's transformative power for our companion, guide, and hope. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. God. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The scriptures this morning continues in Genesis chapter 25. It tells the story of the birth of Jacob and Esau. And then we will turn, so I'm sorry, it, Genesis 25 verses 19 through 34. And then we will continue uh, in the New Testament, reading from the book of Matthew. And we'll uh, read the first nine verses of chapter 13, and then pick it up again at at verse 18 and read through verse 23. So Genesis 25, 19 through 34, Matthew 13, 1 through 9, and then 18 through 23. And we'll pause here and allow you to read that. Listen for the Word of God as you read. If you were listening during the call to confession, you noticed that between the times that I would read and the times that Sherry would read, there was a five-second pause, five-second space of silence and put there intentionally by those who set up the liturgy this week, but honored intentionally by me and Sherry. And and this is a difficult thing for someone like me who thinks what they say is so important so often. It's a difficult thing to admit that space, that five seconds of silence, is more important, is more profound than anything that I say. And the idea that it is this very space, this emptiness, where growth occurs, where transformation occurs, where we're able to be present to this moment, and the reason that it's important to practice it is because it's awkward. We don't want to stay in that space. I suspect that while you were listening to the call to confession, you were thinking, well, what happened? Did 
Did the recording stop? Had I done something incorrect? Did I forget to say something? So we're not accustomed to that space, to that silence. And it's really, really important for us if we're going to become the people uh, that we were born to be our birthright, if you will, if we're going to claim it. So I want to start this week uh, recalling, I believe it was two weeks ago, there's a house on 9th Street in Salina where Mary stayed in a downstairs room uh, during the last two years of nursing school. And it's one of those big houses that somebody, because of economic considerations, decided they could make more money if they cut it up, So, as they say in the construction world, into a bunch of different rooms. And, and, and one of the things that happens in a case like this is they put in another entrance, put in another stairway, And, and the result for me and the people helping Mary move is that there's only one way into this house and it goes down a crowded, awkward stairway that was never intended to be there. There's not enough room really uh, to do anything. I have to duck getting down that stairway, but that's the only way to get furniture in and out. So bringing the stuff in was an absolute nightmare. Um, a lot of frustration, a lot of gouging stuff into ceilings and walls. And, you know, in particular, there were two things. One was it was uh, Mary's headboard on the bed that she uses, um, and the other was a recliner. It's just wider than it needs to be and more heavy than it needs to be. Anyway, I can't recall how long it took us to get it down the stairs, but I knew that it was frustrating. And I knew that, you know, it's one of those things you try so many different angles, you turn it one way, another way, you come in from a different side, uh, and, and finally just, I mean, your frustration is such that, you, you know, you get it down the stairs, or whatever, eventually, and you're so relieved and it doesn't occur to you that you're not going to ever remember how you were able to do that, which you'd have to know to get it back out. So anyway, two weeks ago, we returned to the scene to get that stuff out, and this time it's just me and Jackie uh, taking up the headboard and taking up the recliner. The headboard was difficult again, uh, and we managed to, to make it up the stairs, but the recliner was real trouble. And in order to make it work, you actually have to extend the recliner out and then turn it sideways. It's a, it's a, it's a whole thing. And so we're, we're fighting this dumb chair up this tiny staircase like we're going, you know, like we're in a submarine or something. There's no room. And... It was one of those days where it was hot and all that father-son stuff where we're, you know, cross with one another. And there's a moment, I don't know, after the third or fourth time where we failed 
to make this thing go up the stairs and out of the house where it occurred to me that if I had my chainsaw with me, that it would have felt so good to fire that thing up and to, you know, to, to attack this chair. And I think that probably resonates with a lot of you, that moment of frustration uh, where it's just not going to work. You've tried everything. and uh, We did end up getting the... I didn't have the chainsaw, thank goodness. We did end up finally getting the chair up. The chair is now in our living room. I took a nap on it another, the other day. But it's an extreme example and something that I hope... I'm not trying to make light, but I hope it's something that resonates with people when our frustration gets the best of us. That sense that I have to take this kind of action and it would feel good to take this kind of action. I would feel justified to take this kind of action. And I understand it's an extreme example and a silly example. But it serves as a good example for us to analyze just how our minds work. We get caught. We get carried away and identified with that which is immediate and that which feels comfortable to us. So during five seconds of silence, for example, we don't necessarily feel like reaching for the chainsaw, but we feel like Okay, what's going on? Why is there silence here? I should be hearing something. Someone should be saying something. Our minds are conditioned to grab on to that which is habitual, that which is comfortable, that which is immediate. And like I said, and it's an extreme example, grabbing the chainsaw, but it provides insight into how our minds work and how they were formed and these are things we've, we've talked about before in our childhood. The relationships that we had with the most important people in our lives, those adults to whom we had to be attached, we knew it. And what we did to stay attached and how our personalities were formed. I want to make sure I'm not making this more confusing than it needs to be. We, we all do it, and we've all done it, and no one is to blame, and, and it's just the way that we come to be, the habitual ways in our lives. So we know instinctively, and that's a good thing, that we need to be attached to those who love us and those who are attuned to us, those who can take care of us. But sometimes the automatic things that happen because we're not sure of their love for us or their attention to us through no fault of anyone's, right? People are preoccupied with their lives. They're not there for whatever reason. Uh, or maybe they are there. Maybe it's a perfect childhood. But these things still happen, these automatic ways that we move through the world. We don't even uh, process it consciously. We do things, we say things, and these become our personality. 
which is all fine, unless we want to be transformed, we want to claim our birthright as a child of God that is liberated from all of this. Now remember Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. And it's a critical time. And Peter asks, essentially, what, what are we supposed to do? And Jesus tells him, just stay awake. Just stay awake. The truth is we are sleepwalking. We are relying on these automatic reactions. We identify with them. We are caught. And like I said, the most extreme example, we were caught in, I'm grabbing the chainsaw, I'm doing this. I'm justified. This is who I am. So these automatic reactions, these automatic perceptions, these emotional reactions to all of our experiences, Jesus would have us wake up from this. Now just take a moment and consider. You know, you might be saying, well, what if my childhood was idyllic? What if all my relationships were loving? Jesus would still have you wake up from this. This automatic, this it almost feels like it's in our body, right? This, this reaction to our lives. This is Esau in this story we read together in Genesis. The allegory goes like this. Esau comes in from working. He's exhausted. He's famished. He's identified with his hunger. He is his hunger. That is him. And he can think of nothing else. He's caught by it. Just as we become identified with these automatic subconscious stories. This is my history. This is who I am. And these automatic tapes, they run all the time. I need to be working harder. I have to learn something new. I have to produce. I have to look a certain way. I have to be this kind of family member. I have to be a part of this kind of family. I have to be a good Christian. Esau is caught, just as we are now. Hear those tapes again that I referenced, all of those are things that someone who grew up with an idyllic childhood would have playing, right? I need to be working hard. I got to keep learning. I got to produce. I have to look a certain way. I got to be a part of this kind of family. I got to be a good Christian. That doesn't even account for the people who have experienced trauma, who have experienced loss, Imagine how they're caught. So Esau is the story of being caught by the visceral bodily reactions 
of this is what we think we are and this is who we think we are. Right? He's ready to reach for the chainsaw. And he's not going to be detoured. Now, Jacob is the one of contemplation. Jacob is the one who sits in the five seconds of silence and doesn't try to do anything with it, but just be present. He is the one, we're told, who stays in the tent while Esau hunts. The one who reflects about the bigger picture, what he is a part of, what he could be a part of. Now, before we start celebrating him, he does exploit his older brother and his inability to overcome this automatic bodily response to the world, right? This overcoming of this need to grab the chainsaw, right? This is the gospel story, to liberate you and to liberate me from this relentless, exhausting cycle. Jesus says, put your life down and follow. Man, it's scary because it's different than what we're used to. It requires us to sit in that space, in that silence, see those things for what they are and put them down. And that's all it is. Stay awake. Those stories, they may define you in a certain way, but you are more than those stories. You are created for more. That is your birthright. So now we turn to Matthew. The truth of this is being rained down upon us, broadcast upon us, if you will, in every moment of our lives. Seeds being broadcast everywhere, all the time. And when we are awake, Jesus tells us that the seeds can take root. And in that space, they can grow deep. And after time, they can nourish a broken world. So these seeds, imagine it if you can, falling all the time in the midst of weeds and rocks and shallow ground that are saying things like, I need to be working harder. I got to learn something new. I got to produce more. I have to achieve more. I have to look a certain way. I have to be member of a certain kind of family. I have to be a good Christian. And the seeds are falling amongst it and around it. Of course, we miss it completely sometimes. The rocky path. Sometimes it sounds great in the moment if it captures our attention, right? We are moved maybe by a song or a sermon but it doesn't last. 
Sometimes we are simply distracted. Sometimes the seeds only take root at a or at such a superficial level that it's easy to get caught up in the conflicts in the world. And whether that's the silliness of the advertising and the news cycle that captures our attention or the silly superficial fights into which we are all caught wearing masks and not wearing masks, borders, money, people who look different, people who worship the living God differently. And what happens is all the seeds being broadcast around us and through us constantly, they don't grow. They don't have time or space or depth to grow. But when we are awake, when we can stay present through that moment of silence, that space, and in particular in that moment when all we want to do, everything in our body tells us to grab the chainsaw. Man, that would be satisfying. That would affirm all those stories going on in my head. How fulfilling that would be to just chop up that chair. This is the way of Esau. And it cost him his birthright. Your birthright, my birthright, is to be a child of the living God. It takes time, it takes a willingness to put down our lives, to be present in that silence, in that space, in the tent while others are running around. Then the roots grow deep and then we begin to bear fruit. That's our birthright. I want to conclude with a quote that I got in on an email this, this week. I can't even remember which day it was, but they're talking about how it is once these roots begin to bear fruit, once you are rooted and once it's not as easily, or you're not as easily distracted. When you become comfortable in that silence, comfortable in not knowing, not having to be right about things, not having to win things, but to be present and to really see. And this is, here, here's the quote, when this happens, with that, You move from all of those nice things that you recite on Sundays to something deeper, to something you know in the marrow of your bones. And then you walk into the planet as a vessel of love and nothing can touch you.
This is the gospel story. This is the transformation to live this kind of liberation. Liberated from the limiting and automatic stories that ultimately leave us exhausted and despairing. You were not created for this. This is not your birthright. You are no less than a child of the living God. And all you have to do is stay awake. Amen. Okay, now is another opportunity for you to employ the musician in your home. Uh, hymn number 400. Uh, if you can, find a, find a way to thank Jill for putting these in here. She's making it a lot more easy on us. But uh, Christ has made the sure foundation is hymn number 400. So sing that out. And uh, when we come back, we'll share announcements with one another and pray as a community. Okay, let's take a few moments here and I'll do my best to share announcements with us in the life of the church. Um, I want to thank those of you who've been coming by and putting stuff in our shopping cart there uh, for the food bank. Uh, we're grateful for that. Um, you know, people are being creative and uh, and giving what they can to the food bank, and I know the people there appreciate it. I know that you are aware by now that at least through the month of July, we will continue to meet virtually as a congregation. Um, I want to try and get our... Uh, contemplative prayer going again and uh, we're going to decide myself and a few others whether or not that will work using Zoom or uh, maybe if there aren't too many of us uh, we can meet at the church on Saturdays but I'll, I will continue to reach out to people via text and uh, if it's something that you're interested in, just, just reach out to me and let me know, and we'll find a way uh, to make that work. I miss that, and uh, I've been told that some other people miss it too, so I, I want to try to make that happen again. Um, we've had another athlete at Abilene High School. This time was actually tested positive for uh, covid um, and a young man that I've, you know, been in the gym with. So uh, I'll be kind of out of the rotation for a while as far as uh, being present with people. If I'm at the church by myself, I think um, that's okay. So I'll continue to do that on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays in the afternoon. Just uh, call me if you need uh, to visit. Uh, I don't know, we can do it outside or... We can yell at each other across the room. Um, it's just something I just want to be careful about over the next couple of weeks. And um, these are the kinds of things that are going to keep manifesting themselves. And, uh, and we just got to be careful and take care of one another. Uh, it's just what we have to do right now. I think that's it uh, in terms of announcements. Uh, Jill continues to uh, 
uh, be there on Monday, Wednesdays, and Friday mornings. And as I said, I'm there in those middle three days of the week in the afternoon. Um, so whatever you need, just reach out to one of us or the other. Um, and as I, let's, I'm taking a deep breath here as we transition into into an attitude of prayer. Um, one of the highlights of my week was uh, getting to see Marvin and Janice. Uh, and they came by the church and we all kept our masks on and did all that stuff. We resisted the, our desire to hug one another. So we didn't grab the chainsaw, as they say. Uh, but man, it was good. Uh, Marvin's getting stronger and looking better, and we were able to pray together, and uh, that was good. Um, Rocky Welton passed away, a friend of ours in, in Abilene, so we'll, he'll be on our prayer list uh, today. Uh, we'll pray for, you know, not just our guy who has a positive virus, uh, but for everybody. For all of us trying to figure out how to make it through, how to do our part, as small or great as that is. Uh, we continue to pray for uh, Dick Gefeller, uh, for Rosemary, um, for Grady's family. So let's. Uh, Let's bow our heads and pray. Creator God, thank you. However it is that we are able to share this time and this space together, this worship, we thank you for making it possible. We thank you for this fellowship, this place where we are learning to claim our birthright, to be the people that you would have us be. Lord, we give thanks for the harvest again this year, for not only the work and the fruits of the work, but the moments together the families, the lives touched, the memories made, and all that that means. Lord, as we give thanks for, for this fellowship and all that it means and all that we have, we are mindful that there are those who are crushed this morning under the weight of their grief. We think of Rocky's family. We pray for them. We think of Grady's family. We pray for them. We think of others who've lost loved ones, who've lost situations, who've lost capacities. Thank you that Marvin's getting better. Continue to heal, continue to convey to him our love and support. 
We pray the same prayer for Rosemary and for Dick. We pray for healing, continued healing for Dale. We pray that he would be enveloped with your love. We hold up Mallory. We hold up Marielle. We hold up all the young people, well, all the people, trying to do what is wise with respect to this virus. We pray for patience. We pray for the vision to see the big picture. Help us to take care of one another. Pray for the world. We are grateful for this time, as strange as that sounds, where it is clear beyond a shadow of any doubt that we are connected, that my body is your body, my health is your health, my life is your life. We pray for those in positions of leadership in our world that they might see. We pray for strength for them. We pray for wisdom for them. We pray for the schools, the businesses. We pray for our system itself. How can we make it better? How can we make it more just? There are things that I have forgotten, names, circumstances too difficult to voice. We carry them to your altar and we drop them and we trust you. We conclude again this Sunday, praying the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hopefully you found uh, occasion there to pause that and sing Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me, the final hymn uh, that Jill put us uh, put in there for us today. Thank you for, uh, for listening this morning. Thank you for being a part of our Zion UCC worship. Christ has no body now on earth but ours. No hands, no feet on earth but ours. Ours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Ours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Ours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Ours are the hands. Ours are the feet. Ours are the eyes. We are his body. Amen.